Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 29 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today, I'll be talking to Masters runner and world record holder, Brian Pilcher. Before we get to that, though, let's meet this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. This week's Everyday Season Athlete is someone who refuses to be limited to just one sport and is always learning and trying new things. Let's meet Mike Brower. My name is Mike Brower. I'm 45 years old and I am an all-around athlete. I take Krav Maga. I do CrossFit. I just got into obstacle course racing. I enjoy swimming. I enjoy biking. I enjoy hiking. I also just started, while not necessarily athletic, I just started getting into playing chess. And this leads me into why I compete and why I'm active, because I like to improve. I like to gain, show progress. And I like to challenge myself with something I may not be that good at doing. I'm not very good at chess. So I'm playing it to try to get better and improve my mind. I feel as I improve my body, it helps improve my mind, and improving my mind helps me improve my body. Uh, Advice that I have for people is to explore. Explore different things, explore different avenues, explore different opportunities to become physically active. I did not know that I was going to like Krav Maga until I took my first class. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I've been doing it for about four years now. That led me into doing CrossFit, which I saw people doing and said, that looks fun, I wanna try that. So just try new things. Um, that you know, CrossFit led me into obstacle course racing, um, which I now am kind of obsessed with. So. Just trying new things, I think, is a great way to try and stay active um, and explore new avenues. I'm Mike Brower, and I'm a seasoned athlete. If you'd like to tell your everyday seasoned athlete story in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete, someone who really found his stride, no pun intended, a bit later in life. This is Brian Pilcher. Hi, Brian. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm great. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Absolutely. Awesome. So you are Masters Distance Runner Brian Pilcher of Kentfield, California. You have been named Male Masters Runner of the Year in 2012 and 2013 and were the overall Masters Athlete of the Year in 2013 as well. 
You currently hold the 60 to 64 age group world record in the half marathon, 25K and 30K distances, all of which were earned on the same day during the 2016 Chicago Marathon, where you also tied the full marathon record set by Clive Davies in 1979. Just one week earlier, you broke the 5K world record for your age group at the Syracuse Festival of Races with a time of 1638, a record you still hold to this day. From here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I am 61. Wonderful. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? Growing up, I played everything and uh, I was good at everything, but not really good. And then, but running, I always had the ability that was three standard deviations off. And I ran in high school. I was good, not great, but that was probably because I um, was a little bit of a head case and didn't really do what I was supposed to do. And my coaching wasn't great. Then my junior year in high school, I actually quit the track team, even though I was a coach, to go surf. And I actually never came back to track or running. I didn't do anything, really, until uh, 33 years later when I was 50 years old. So I basically, maybe between that time of high school and whatever, I snowboarded, I you know body surfed, but I didn't do any, uh, oh, I played amateur sports in college, but nothing like that was really serious. And so then I came back to it when I was 50 years old. Why do you think you stopped for so long? Well, the one thing I was really good at was running. And then I went away to uh, college in the East Coast at Dartmouth. And I was recruited for running. Um, and I went out for track. And I, the story is I, I, was, I went out for two days. And then I got uh, in an incident where I was tobogganing on a golf course up in uh, with my fraternity brothers at night and uh, I went off some hill and I got a little jump and came down. I like the toboggan went four feet in the air and I went about four feet above that. When I came down, I bruised my butt bone and being 18 years old, I was too immature to go back to the track coach and explain it to him. So I never got out. I didn't get out of my dorm room for a week and I just never went to practice and I never went back again. So that was the end of my running career really. So I had two days in college where I actually ran and uh, so then there's just nothing else. I didn't realize that you could ever compete other than that later on in life until I turned 50. And I, uh, one of my kids went out for cross country and I said, well, I'll go run with you and we'll see how we do. And we ran a mile around the track. I got these really cushy shoes, which I still have. They're called Nike shocks. And uh, nobody who's real would run in Nike shocks, but I didn't know that. And uh, we ran a, a mile in like 640, and I probably could have run a little faster. And I said to them, I said, okay, now you're young, and you're going to go like, you know, straight up, and I'm old, I'm going to go down. And from there, every time I ran, I was faster and faster and faster. And they, they went nowhere with their running. <laughs> but that was the beginning of my running again. And, and uh, you know, from there, every time they say you don't, PR every time out, but every time I ran, I got faster and faster. And it was like, yeah, it was a crazy story. What do you think is the reason behind you being able to improve? You know, you started running it at 50. You hadn't run it over 30 years. What do you think is the reason for your, your success or your quick improvement or your ability to gain in at that age? There's three things, you know, cause I thought a lot about it. One is genetics. I mean, I have exactly the right uh, body type for a runner. I'm really light, skinny, no calves. Um, 
So I got the right genetics and obviously had the right ability from, you know, from the get go. The second thing was having fresh legs. Guys who come in and masters um, who haven't run can, can be actually better than the people who were really, really good earlier on and sort of got burnt out. And then the third thing is I aged really well. Um, so I was always kind of really young looking when I was like 20, I looked about 15 and I just aged really well. So those three things sort of like were a perfect storm. Yeah. It's like this magical convergence to, to help you run at your peak level as you continue to get older. Yeah. And I, I like your point about, because it's not the first time I've heard this about masters runners who start later, because, um, I think a lot of people who might be listening, who might think about running, but they may think, Hey, I'm too old or it's too late for me, or I'm never going to be fast. But you're not the first person to tell me that masters runners who start later, who didn't run growing up or didn't spend a lot of time in their youth running have actually found some success because they're running on fresher legs than people who spent their whole lives running. So it's just, you know, success isn't guaranteed of course, but there's something to be said for that. So at this, you know, when you talk about people coming out, which is really more what your website's about, rather than most people won't have the experience that I had. Sure. Um, but one of the things I love about Masters Running is that everybody's out there. I mean, I wish I had known when I was 40 that you could go do it because I would have done it then. I mean, I, I love competing more than I like doing anything else. Um, but everybody goes out and finds their own level. I mean, I have... You know, lots of friends on Facebook. Probably the only thing I have on Facebook is really running friends. Um, and you see these people putting stuff up and they make a PR for themselves. They, you know, accomplish some goal they have and they just love it. Now, it might not be the same goal I have or somebody else has, but they, everybody finds their own goals. And the other thing about Masters Running, which is really crazy, I was thinking about this, is that... Um, you know, the Dodgers, when they were playing the Astros, if they had had a, a, a really shitty game in that last, last seventh game, but they had won the game, that would have been great for them. In Masters running, it's just the opposite. When I run, if I have a shitty race, but I beat somebody, I don't feel good about that. I like to, I'd much rather have a great race for me and lose to somebody because it's all about me. It really is all about me and trying to do what I can do because I mean, that's what it's about. You kind of go out, not really to compete against everybody else. I like to compete, but I really like to compete against myself and figure out, you know, I know what I can run. You know, that Chicago Marathon, this is a classic one, that Chicago Marathon, which I'm so well known for because I you know, broke the four records and everything else. It's kind of a huge disappointment for me because I, I actually thought I could run 236 and I only, I screwed it up myself by going out too fast. And, uh, so it's kind of a great, it's kind of a funny story because it's not really that great of a race for me, but it's the one I'm, I'm known for. So, um, but that's it. But, but so, so people going out and masters running really run for themselves as much as anything else. And it's really great to see. And, and we're all rooting each other on too. Yeah. The, the community is always super supportive. And I agree with you about personal best just meaning different things to different people. And, you know, it's like, I, I know what my personal best would be, or I know what my 
goal, you know, like, like half marathon is my longest distance currently. And it's like, I'm, I'm aiming for a sub two, you know, like that's, that's my goal that I'm currently reaching for and I'm not there yet. And so, and a lot of people might have a, a goal of two and a half or longer, you know, or just finishing. It doesn't matter, but, but I, I'm always like, I tell, give people advice. I say, here's what I would do. Here's my kind of training. And the training is the same for everybody. It's just, you do different different speeds, different paces, but you do the same kind of training. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I had my, my five minutes of fame after I, when I became master athlete of the year in 2013, I think it was, I was invited to Indianapolis and I was at this big convention with all the really elite runners, you know, all the, the young elite runners who are the runner of the year and everything else like that. And I got my five minutes of fame. And that was really great. And then afterwards they said, you're supposed to go over this table and sign autographs. And I said, I said, nobody wants a 56 year old's autograph. I go, you just go ahead. I, you know, you, you know, you, yeah, I've had enough fun. They said, no, no, we want you to go over there. So I did. And I'm sitting there and Mary Kane's on my left who, I don't know if you know who she is, but she was like a fantastic, she was the um, high school athlete of the year or something like that. And she was 18 years old and she ran like crazy times. And then some guy going in the hall of fame was on my right on this table and so people were in a line and we were giving out autographs. And I, so I, I got the first one just like, you know, it was kind of embarrassing. Then the next one came by and people were kind of stacking up because they were like talking to some other people. And I just said to the person, I said, I said, so do you run? And so I started having conversations with people. And I, the thing, the point I'm trying to make here was that I had great conversations because all of a sudden people could see themselves being me. They couldn't see themselves being Mary Kane. Okay. And so people really could see themselves being me. They could see an older person going out and running and maybe not being as good as me, but doing it. And then, you know, I remember one, one girl asked me, she goes, I'm trying to get my dad to run. What, what, what advice would you give him? And I just said, you know, one foot out the door. And it really is true is if you take the first foot out of the door and I tell the people this, you know, if you do a half a mile today and you do a half a mile you know, four times a week, maybe next week it's a mile a day, you know, for four times a week. And then it's two miles and you actually, you know, work it up. And that's all it is. I mean, I'm doing that right now. I'm coming back and just every, you know, when I got here a month ago, it was four or six miles. Now it's 10 or 12 miles, you know, on a run. So that's the story of running. So, yeah. And I think a lot of people before they start, don't even envision themselves being able to do any of it. And so when you start that small and start with just half a mile and it's like you see it, uh, you see that progression, you see yourself being able to do more and more every day and or every week. And and that's how you build to a race. And, uh, you know, I experienced it myself. And, and it's true what you say about, you know, being able to see ourselves in you like it, because you're out there doing it at your age and there's people even older doing it as well. And it's like, I, I see that as I have a long future in this, like I potentially have a long future in this. And that makes me really excited. And hopefully people listening who either haven't started yet or are just starting can see that they also potentially have a long future in this as well. Yeah, there's guys who I run with. I mean, there's guys who are 75. Matter of fact, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned Dave OJ and his race up in Syracuse that he did. I remember one year we had an 80 year old run it. And then the next year, there was five 80 year olds in that, in that age category. I yeah. mean, it, it's, it's crazy. And then I, I want to say there was a 90 year old guy 
running in one of these, yes. running a 5K. Yeah, I, I believe I was given his name. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's amazing what you can do and what people can do. And until you get off the couch and do it, you you don't really see it. Now, it's tough, even for me, you know, so I've done all these different things. And then when I like get slow, like I did this last year, I wanted to quit. And I actually I did quit about um, six months ago. And then I was out for like five weeks and I realized I don't even have anything else. And I was kind of getting grumpy. Now, I'm not one of those people I need the, you know, endorphins, but I was just getting grumpy and I wasn't doing anything. So now I'm kind of like back in starting up again, which is not easy. And, uh, but I feel better doing it. I was, I was about to ask, is it helping you be a little less grumpy? Yeah, there's no question. Well, then you should keep doing it. Exactly. No, that, that's what I'm doing. It's just, yeah. Let's talk about, uh, some of the harder times. So, uh, let's see, you've been the top runner in your five-year age group eight times out of the 11 years you've been running, right? Yeah. And so the only years you weren't the top runner in your age group, you were injured. Uh, what types of injuries have you had to deal with as a master's runner? And how have you found your way back to peak condition coming out of those injuries? The first really big injury was hips. And I thought I was done. That was in 2009. And uh, I had a, a hip injury. And the symptom was I basically, I could run a race at like 520 pace. And then after the race, I'd be trying to cool down. I couldn't run 11 minute pace. I was like hobbling. And what it turned out to be is I had um, uh, my femur bone and my acetabular, which is a socket, had extra growth on them. And so they were they were hitting each other and they they took out all the cartilage in the in the hip and the labrum, which goes on the top of the femur and acts as a gasket had fallen off. And uh, the orthopedist all told me, you can't run anymore. And uh, you can't ever get that cartilage back. And then one guy said, no, that's not right at all. He said, I can go in there arthroscopically and you need to do it on both hips and shave it down. And, uh, and then I can reattach the labrum with some bone anchors. And uh, he said, and you're going to recover really fast. And you need to do it with both hips or else you'll have hip replacements in your 60s. I said, well, only one hip's hurting me, so I'll just do that hip on Wednesday. So I did on Wednesday. He gave me some crutches. I live in that house that had three, three sets of three floors. And I put the crutches aside. I never used them. I went up and down the stairs. The second day, I was going up two stairs at a time. <laughs> I called him back, and I said, let's do the other hip on Monday. <laughs> we did it on Monday. A week later, I was on a stationary bike, and three weeks later, I was running. Wow. I don't even think about I don't even think about those hips anymore. It's incredible. I mean, uh, I tell people that all the time. It's called FAI, and anybody who's got hips, I always tell them, you know, send send this guy your X-rays and make sure you don't have FAI because if you have FAI, there's this there's an easy solution to it. So I've had that. I've had a, a bunch of hamstring issues. Generally, I recover really really fast. I don't know why. Um, I think some of the things I I uh, I do like I eat flaxseed and I do a lot of, you know, things like recovery stuff. Like after I run, I take the right stuff, carbohydrates and proteins and stuff. I treat myself really well. Um, and uh, uh, that helps me recover too. But so, so that was the big one. 
Other ones have mostly been things like hamstrings or things like that. I had last year, I had a really bad foot thing, which nobody could figure out top of the foot. And the other thing is I do, I have a lot of, uh, I do a lot of alternative medicine things. I have a, a osteopath kind of person who sees me, you know, I'll go, I'll, I'll get a lot of massage. I'll do a lot of alternative medicine things too. I, I, I'll do just about anything. I mean, basically I'm retired, so I have a lot of time and, <laughs> and my running is my big thing. So. so it sounds like primarily, if you can, to focus on nutrition and alternative medicine remedies. And then if it's serious, like the hip issue, then, then we deal with, you know, doctors, doctors. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, I have really avoided um, getting a uh, surgery you know, I had after the hip thing, I had this weird thing that I think was acerbated by the hips and uh, my knee was really bad. And it was swollen up really bad. And it, at the end of that year, I went to a doctor and I said, I said, I'm tired of this. I've been running with it the whole year. I said, I want you to scope it out. He goes, if I do, you'll never be as fast again. And I said, OK, forget about that. Idea. <laughs> forget I ever said that. But but this will definitely repair itself. Right. And he goes, not definitely. I go, well, what's the percentage? I finally got him to say it was 50, 50, but then I got one of my alternative guys, this guy who's a rehab specialist. And he just, he told me I had to strengthen my hip abductor and I did. And it went away like so fast and nobody else could figure it out. So that's when I say alternative medicine, I've searched through a lot of different people and I got guys who I can trust who come up with different answers than other people come up with. And um, so it's been really important to me. And obviously, you know, being an older runner, you get a lot of uh, different crazy stuff and uh, finding the answer is really important. Yeah. And I, I'm a big believer in, in kind of almost the Eastern philosophy or Eastern treatments versus medical, you know, Western medical intervention. Like I, I'm big on massage. I'm big on acupuncture, just kind of getting treated that way and, and treating with movement and stretching. And uh, if you can, obviously, but, uh, and especially as you get older and these little issues pop up, it's like, if we can figure out how to use, you know, body work or any sort of treatment like that, that isn't invasive. I'm, I'm a big fan personally. Okay. So for instance, yeah, I love this kind of conversation because so for instance, I had this thing, which bugged me the whole last year where I had a, uh, something hurt on the top of my foot. And I went to see the foot doctor. And I, I love my foot doctor and he couldn't really figure it out and thinking maybe it's the two bones hitting together on the top of the foot and uh, basically his answer was to give me some arch support. And that's pretty much his work. But in addition to that, arch support's just like a, a crutch. You yeah. know, you know uh, so what I do, what I'm doing in addition to that is I'm now wearing Injinji socks, you know, the ones with the five toes. Mm -hmm. You know, cause, and I'm doing like little toe exercises to basically, you know, the ones where you like scrunch up a towel with your toes. Because my feeling is, is that if you get, uh, if you get your toes strong, they'll, you know, help support the arch structure. You won't need to have the orthotics or the other stuff. So, you know, it's sort of like a little bit of both, you know, getting, you know, something that get you through today, but then something to make it so it doesn't need to have that crutch. Right, anymore. right. It's the Band-Aid or the you know, the medicine to help it feel better in the moment and the, the thing that you're going to do to help actually fix it. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about some of the highs and lows of your racing career. Uh, would you be able to take us back to your, 
lowest, like your worst race or your worst competitive moment? Do you remember that at all? Well, one wasn't really my fault, which was at cross country nationals, which is a really big race, you know, which is like sort of the race at the end of the year. And a lot of people go to it and they always put it in these God forsaken places. And this one was in Spokane, Washington. And, uh, uh, it was 20 degrees and blowing 25 miles an hour. I just started the race and I did something wrong with equipment. I had something where I wasn't able to breathe that well because I wore out like a ski mask, which kind of hurt me. But the other thing I realized is that I'm so skinny and I have like 2% body fat that when it's cold or wet or rainy, all my blood vessels go. Yeah. And so it was like running in concrete. So that was a disaster. And guys who I normally would have beaten by a long margin just like crushed me. And uh, uh, it was definitely a day for people who had uh, heavier body weight um, crushed that day. So that was an awful day for me. I remember that. Other bad days, I've had bad days when I've run poorly. Usually it's when I'm out of shape. Um, uh, And I try to do something. I ran, so there's a Dipsy race, which is a local race, trail race that we run from No Valley to the ocean. And one day I tried to run it when I wasn't in shape at all. And I did terrible there. That was a bad day. So I have bad days like that. Yeah. Uh, what is what is probably the most important thing you learn from these bad experiences other than make sure you're in good shape? Just that shit happens. I mean, you kind of <laughs> like, you kind of realize that you know, that's what life's like for, you know, some people, they just have like bad races, you know, and, you know, usually, you know, for probably the first three years I ran, I didn't have one. And then, so you see it. And usually what I do is almost always when I have a bad race, there's a certain run I go do the next day, which is, uh, it's about 17 miles up the mountain around a couple of lakes, but it's going up this hilly way up. And I just like, that's my way of acknowledging that I had a bad day. And then by being able to do that, I realize that I'm still okay if I can do that, you know, that run, I guess. I mean, it's sort of almost a tradition for me when that happens. It's like a, like a cleansing run. Yeah. Like washing that, the badness out of your system. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. That's a good tradition. I like that. Yeah. So on the other hand, uh, can you tell us about your favorite race, which we determined was not the 2016 Chicago Marathon? No. You know, so my favorite races, it's funny because like I have a couple different things. One of my favorite races, nobody even knows about. Uh, I ran it uh, going across the Golden Gate Bridge. It was called uh, Across the Bay. And uh, I'd run a a 5K on the track the week before. Almost broke. I was 53 or something like that. I almost broke the 50-year-old record for on the track for the 5K. And so the next week I was running this race across the bay. It's just a local race. And I told some sort of semi-coach at that time that I, uh, oh, she said, oh, you shouldn't run this. And I said, oh, I'm just going to tempo it. Just run it, you know, for fun. I went out and ran it. And uh, I just remember running that race. And I was with this same guy I'd run behind in the 5K, young kid. He was like a young kid at Cal, probably like 21-year-old. And we ran up this hill to get to the Golden Gate Bridge. And then I just blew by him and everybody else on the bridge, a lot of people on the bridge. And I ran this super great time. And I beat all the 40-year-olds. I was 53. And uh, 
but it was windy and rainy and stuff like that. And so nobody ever knows that race or anything like that. Uh, so, but it's one of my favorites just cause I know I re- ran really well that day. Um, another one when I ran, uh, uh, up in Sacramento, I ran a 10 miler once and, uh, I was running a huge pack with guys and I was trying to break the record, which was 54, 27. And I was running right at the pace you need to run, which was 527 a mile. Boom. And I was in a pack of like 25 guys. And I know all these guys and I have a great picture with me running with a bunch of these guys. And we got out about seven miles. And I said, I said, Hey guys, I'm right on pace for the record. And these older guys, I mean, younger guys, 40 year olds, they like, you know, gave me some windbreak and stuff like that. And we ran, we ran in and I thought I was right on. I just needed to run 527 and I did run 527. But as is the case with a lot of these courses, they're a little bit long. They, you know, if it's not 10, it's 10.1. So I got right to the corner of the, the last block and turned the thing and it was 54.27. So I ended up running 54.42. But it was a great run and it was, you know, one of my favorite runs. So I always remember that one. Yeah. And it's kind of cool that everybody sort of came together to support you and your goal to, to get that record. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. cool to see that. It's cool to hear that. So, uh, what types of challenges do you find you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at such a high level, even now in your sixties? Well, the biggest challenge is probably injury. Sure. Yeah, uh, it's either injury or it's motivation. Cause it's, and people say, how can you not be motivated? You know, you broke four records in Chicago. One guy said that to me cause I was kind of quit. But it's kind of like I've done it all. I mean, I really have done everything I want to do. So then you have to get motivated. And and uh, being a master's runner, there's so many things you can do to try and keep from getting injured. Um, and, you know, I get up in the morning. I, I, I get on my foam roller. I do a bunch of things there. Like right now, I'm trying to, like, do a bunch of things to – strengthen my glute and there's always more things you can do so the question is out of the 20 things you might be having in your mind that you should be doing which ones do you actually do right. you know that day and so that the, the motivation is really difficult because you you know and especially if you do work like i do mostly by, on my own like i'm in hawaii right now so i'm all on my own so you know you know probably five years ago i had this uh training partner and she was like the core Nazi. So just being her training partner, I would get all that core in just because we would do it naturally after we ran, you know, mm-hmm. we just happened. And, uh, but now I do it all on my own. So it's a motivation and then the injury and trying to be smart about injuries and be smart, you know, to try and take time off, even though you know that taking time off is going to put you back in your training schedule. But if you don't take time off, then you're going to make it worse and it's going to be, you know, so yeah, that's, those those are the two challenges. That is the eternal struggle right there is that you want to train, but if you were, if you're dealing with an injury or you're on the verge of an injury, you have to take care of your body. And it's like, what is more important in that particular moment? And usually last week, last week I had a cold out of here. I was at, I had a cold. So I took two days off. I ran seven and a half miles and I kind of felt like the cold was going out of my chest. Now I get chronic bronchitis. So I just said, "Uh oh, I just got to take more days off until I feel it's completely gone. So I took three more days off. So that meant I had a week when I really did like 15 miles in a week, which for me is nothing. And, <laughs> but this week I'm fine. And if I hadn't done that and I had pushed it, which I've been known to do, 
I'd end up with chronic bronchitis in a couple of months. Uh, right. Right. So, yeah, it's like you got to think the long game on this. You got to think about long term and and what's more important at that point in time. And I think that is that is a struggle for a lot of us, especially people who are high performers. I yeah. think that's a, that's a huge struggle. And as you get older, I think it's something that you really have to hone in on more and more for sure. So are there any aspects of training and competing that you find to be easier at your age compared to when you were younger? I think it's different. You know, I've got a coach who's really great, Magda Boulay, who was an ex-Olympian and she's just a total stud and she helps me with everything. Um, but no, I don't think there's anything that's easier. I think everything's a little harder because nobody really knows what it, I mean, as, as another of my buddies was saying, we were just talking the other day, we're like a big science experiment. You know, everybody knows how to train for the elite runners. I mean, they didn't know 40 years ago, but they know now exactly how to train. But nobody knows how to train for a 60-year-old trying to do this. Is 80 miles a week the right thing? You know, you know. I, I know lots of people who think, you know, you got to be taking every other day off or something like that, where, you know, I'll train and go six or seven days a week. But nobody really knows. So, I, you know, I don't think there's anything that's easier, mostly harder. Well, maybe if anything, it's just figuring out what is right for you. You've done it so long. Yeah, you've been doing it for so long. And everybody is different. Some people may need to do every other day as they get older or, you know, depending on what age you reach. But for you, you know, with your genetics being what they are, you may not need that or that might actually be detrimental to you. So, you know, just knowing yourself and knowing what you need, maybe that's something that that you've honed in on. Yeah, the easier thing might be uh, might be actually winning because there aren't as many people you know, when I was 50, we had this group of 50 year olds that was that went to that Syracuse 5K that were just like all crushing it. And, you know, while there still are guys who I compete against, there's not the same horde of guys that I used to compete against. But again, that that's not really what it's about for me. It's really for me. It's about, you know, me running good times. Yeah. And so the field goes down, but your your motivation remains the same. Yeah. So you started running later in life, as we mentioned. Um, what advice would you give to someone who may be thinking of taking up running and road racing at any age, but particularly if they are a little bit older? My advice is to do it, is to get out the door, to find your local running club. And there's running clubs all over. And, you know, um, I mean, our running club, some people say it's as much a social club as a running club. Um is uh, filled with people of every type. It's so funny because when I started, I met a guy from this running club and I was thinking, I can't run with these guys. They're all going to be way too fast for me. It turns out I'm way too fast for them, but that's <laughs> not, but, but you just, you get intimidated and you shouldn't be intimidated. The people in the, these running clubs, there's all types. And I mean, we have, so that's how you find out. I mean, we have club races where we run for like a dollar or three dollars maybe nowadays for a race, okay? And they're fun races, they're not high pressure, and some people are finishing in God knows what time, and some people are fast and not and and then you have like a different level which is the Pacific Association, so they're you know, whatever. But there's all kinds of races and not races. And then when you want to do group runs, there's people like, you know, New Year's Day run, you know, every Sunday they're going from the Ross Common, you know, a bunch of people go, you know, on Saturday mornings, they meet up some different place on the mountain and they go running 
I mean, there's so many people to run with and do stuff. It's a community. And, you know, like I said, I train at a very high level. So I train more by myself. I, you know, I, I train with other people when I find the right people. But for everybody else, it's so great to be in a running club and to have the community. Um, so that's what I would do is first thing I'd get out the door. And second thing I would get to a running club and we have the, the, the volunteers at these people that like to volunteer in this area of running is crazy. I mean, we have a guy, Frank, who every Tuesday night we have a track workout. The people that have come out to this track workout, and it's a free track workout. We actually have them. That one's Tuesday. Another guy does one Thursday morning. There's another one I know somewhere else on Saturday. The people that show up, it's just all different types of people. And I've seen guys come out like and just start from almost nowhere and, and actually then start being able to run half marathons and stuff. So it's the community of doing it. It really helps people. Yeah. And, uh, and you don't have to be my level. You can be any level. And I think it helps people to find other people who are at their level so that they know that they're not alone. But that's the way to find them, these running clubs, and then find you know, where they're doing a track workout or something like that. I mean... Yeah, I've been uh, there's a local college over here. I, I live in L.A. and at Santa Monica College, I've been there to train myself. And I always see groups, tra- you know, doing running workouts there. So, yeah, there's run running clubs everywhere and it's so easy to find them. So that's excellent advice to get out the front door and then find a running club. So you find like minded people who might be at your level to run with and support you. So uh, do you ever see yourself retiring from racing? Yeah, all the time. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like. It's like almost a joke because I've probably done it like, you know, sometimes through injury and sometimes through I just get lack of motivation. I clearly have quit at least five or six times. And with my training partners before, they used to laugh about it. And uh, and this last time I thought it was for real. I mean, I really did nothing. I mean, every other time I've quit, I've sort of, I have an elliptico and I do, you know, I cross train this time. I just decided I wasn't doing anything and I'm paying for it now. So yes, <laughs> uh, I thought about it a bundle of times and it's, again, it's the lack of motivation and it's the question of what am I going to do? What am I doing it for? You know, what's, what's the motivation and it's so hard. And like I say, all those other things you got to do. So you gotta, you always have to find the why the reason to yep. do it. And, you know, this time around, it was to not be cranky anymore. But, uh, you know, I'm sure every other every other time has probably had different versions of it. And to be fair, I say this as a joke, but it's it's somewhat true. I don't really have anything else. I mean, it's what I do. I mean, it's really what I do. I don't work. I'm retired. Um, It's it's my raison d'etre. So I sort of figure that out every time I quit. So. So, yeah, you see yourself retiring, but yet somehow you keep coming back. So uh, what races do you have coming up next? Do you have anything on the calendar? You know, uh, I'm really slow right now. I, I've now put in 10 weeks. And uh, uh, so really the next thing I could see doing is in the middle of March, there's a national championship 10K. So here's here's the potential schedule is middle of March, there's a, oh no, I think there's a, there's an 8K, I think there's an 8K in the middle of March, and then a 10-miler near the, uh, no, 5K at the end of March, and then a 10-miler beginning of April, I don't know any of those I could do. Um, the ones, the five, yeah, they're like national races. So there's one in, um, the 8K's in Virginia, 
the five K's in Carlsbad, the 10 milers in Washington, and then there's a 10K in Massachusetts. So I'm all over the place. Your goal is hopefully to get back to, to doing any or all yes. of those. So before we go, uh, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think I've shared most of it. I think it's the, uh, I, I think it's the, the keys are A, get out the door. B, it's about you. It's not about anybody else. I really, you know, 11 years ago came out to find out how good I could be. I thought I could be really good and I was right. And, you know, but that's, but you can find out how good you can, you won't even know how good you can be. Um, the amount of people that can run a marathon or a half marathon that never would have thought they could have, um, is crazy. So it's really all about you and, yeah. uh, and you'll feel better. You got nothing to lose. And it's just a, it's a day by day thing. And, and then plus there's a lot of community out there. There's a lot of community that, that will uh, support you and help you. And, and, uh, it's really not just about getting better. You'll feel better too. Oh yeah. But people always say like, no matter how you feel while you're running, you always feel better after you run. Yeah. Yeah. I ran, I ran 10 today. So I felt, I feel good right now. I, I jumped in the ocean and had a outdoor shower and then I'm talking with you. So that was all good. It's been a good day. You are living the life. I, I didn't know you were in Hawaii until you told me, although I could have, I, I'm looking at video of you and probably should have figured it out. It looks gorgeous behind you. The running's not as good as I, you know, I live in Marin and we have the best running in the whole country. Um, so the running's not as good, but the, the weather's a lot better. Yeah. I'm definitely envying you right now. And I mean, I'm in LA, it's not too shabby, but, but I kind of wish I was I was in Hawaii. Uh, so Brian, thank you for being on the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Uh, you're nothing short of an inspiration for uh, older runners, aging athletes, and really people of any age who want to reach those personal bests on the race course and in their lives, whatever that means for them. So thank you for sharing your story with us and being on the show today. Thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate it. All right, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Brian Pilcher. Number one, if you've ever thought it was too late to start running, think again. According to Brian, seriously taking up running later in life can be an advantage as you get to run on fresher legs than if you'd spent your entire life running. Brian's not the first to say this to me. So if you've ever thought about becoming a master's runner, but you're only just getting started now, you never know how far and how fast you'll be able to go. Number two, the key to starting out with running is just to get out the door. Don't think about it, just do it. And if you need extra support, join your local running club. Running clubs are filled with all types of people, many of whom will be just like you. And you can dip your toe into racing with some fun and inexpensive local club races. And number three, running is all about you and what you can do. So don't get hung up on the idea that you aren't as fast as another person or you can't run as far as someone. Set your own goals and strive to hit your own records, whatever they may be. Thanks again to Brian Pilcher. And thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from bensound.com. Seasoned athletes, I am really excited to share that the Seasoned Athlete Podcast has been invited to participate in the Celebrity Sweat Wellness Day on Sunday, February 18th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Skyspace in downtown Los Angeles. This is up on the 70th floor, I think, of the U.S. Bank Building, one of the tallest buildings in downtown L.A., a really 
really cool space. I'll be there with my microphone doing Facebook Live and recorded interviews with some of the experts on site to get their thoughts on training, nutrition, and wellness for seasoned athletes just like you. And I'd love to talk to you as well. You can get in for free if you say Celebrity Sweat at the door. And you can find out more about the event on the Seasoned Athlete and Celebrity Sweat Facebook pages. I hope to see you there. And thanks again for listening. Now go out and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.